So I was at this, um, I was at Esau, which is the Eastern Snow and Avalanche Workshop, um, this past fall, just like two weeks ago, week and a half ago. And I was listening to this guy talk from Colorado who's, you know, really knowledgeable, um, avalanche educator, um, snow scientist, um, practitioner, and I was really interested because he was talking about, you know, weather stations and, you know, all this data, right? More and more data in more and more places that we can record, we can see at real time, you know, and these are things, these are tools that we can use to help us make decisions. And if we think about the world in data, like there's an increasing large amount of data coming out every day about everything in life, not just about guiding things. But there's so much data, so how do we deal with all that data? Which is really interesting. And I've been really um, enjoying the concept of the knowledge that's stored in the world, and there's the knowledge that's stored in our mind. So essentially that means there's a certain amount of information we can actually remember in our head, and then the stuff that we don't need to remember, we store it in the world. So that means we write it down right and have it on a on a sticky note that's storage in the world we type it into our phone on the notepad on our phone we look it up on youtube you know like that's data that's stored in the world right we we write books so really if you think about the development of language in humans is really the start of how we stored that data and certainly written language or any kind of you know written interpretation of of life it was a way we can store data because we no longer have to remember it. We can actually like scribble it on the cave wall, right? Now, like, oh, I want to go reference this thing and go back to the cave wall. There it is. There's that data I don't have to remember anymore. Also, that oral tradition, right? That's a way of storing data. So, and sometimes that's a way of storing data in the world, and that that data gets passed on from generation to generation, and then that then that data becomes generation that's stored in the world and then then stored in our mind. So there's an oral tradition that you see that in a lot of, of native populations, um, you know, indigenous populations, which is pretty interesting. You know, because humans, you know, there's a certain amount of stuff that are, you know, that we are born with knowing, you know, but we essentially are an animal that has to learn from trial and error. And not that animals, all animals don't learn from trial and error to some degree, but there's so much more in like inherent, you know, we do this as a lion that's just inherent as you're born as a lion versus a human. We have to kind of really nurture and educate that child to actually be able to come up and be able to do anything. They're just not born knowing how to do anything. Um, you know, a certain amount of trial and error, if you just let a kid out in the, the field for its whole life, you know, they're going to learn some stuff for sure, um, but maybe not the stuff of kind of, of a more modern civilization. Um, they may learn more survival skills, which is certainly useful. So... There's this, the knowledge in the world and the knowledge in our mind. So the interesting thing is that there's more and more knowledge out there, right? As we dissect and understand things at a smaller, minute level, there's more data and details that we understand things at. The problem is that people don't know much. They know less. So there's more knowledge in the world but people individually know less themselves. So we've kind of gone from, you know, animals that hold more data in our head when there was less data to know. So we kind of knew more things that were relevant to the world to 
we 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 remember less we have store less of that data in our heads because we know that it's out in the world so we kind of get better at finding it in the world so but we can't just tell you what it is off the top of our head and there's pros and cons to both right so you know having more information in your head is great but sometimes it's hard to remember that stuff especially as you get older right or maybe the subject matter is not your forte right it's hard to remember stuff if you're not super passionate about it um even though it may be relevant to what you do that that particular facet of what you do maybe not what you're really into so you you tend to store that data in the world versus in your head um so the thing that i think is interesting with this whole big data component of the world now is that we're getting more and more data that is in real time to help us make decisions. Now, sometimes that data is kind of hyper-specific, like this data is for this weather station that tells you us tells us information about this particular spot right now, which may not be anywhere near where you're going. So it is data. Is it relevant data to what you're doing? It may be. We still might have to extrapolate a lot um, that data, which is interesting. So it's like, is it really relevant? But what I think is happening, and you can see this in some of the mountaineering books that I've been reading um, that are like 50, 60 70, 100 years old, it's like there's the similar concepts coming through about, wow, you know, we've kind of, the world moves so fast these days and communication so fast that we're losing these, these skills or this connection to the world. And some of these, some of those quotes are in books that are 100 years old and they're, and they're really, you know, relevant today. But we're spending more energy on, on, in interpreting this vast quantity of data, developing tools and learning how learning how to use digital tools like apps to tell us what this data means. But are we really missing what's right in front of us is like, just look outside. Like, I think it's funny. Like these days, every morning I wake up, I look at the weather. I have two massive windows right at the head of my bed. Right. And I still look at the weather on my phone. You know, I'm like, well, it's raining outside. Okay. And then my phone tells me, well, guess what? It's raining outside. Cool. Now, maybe I want to know what the prediction is for how long it's going to rain. That may be a different thing, right? But I've also either never developed or lost the ability to look at the weather and the clouds and just go, yeah, this looks like the kind of cloud shape and kind of cloud color and cloud form and height that I think it's going to rain for a while today, you know? you know. So there's, I've lost that capacity. So are we redirecting our energy away from our real basic um, situations that actually tell us more than what we need to know than all this data. So, you know, we've had all this like crazy mapping software and programs and websites and apps, and it's so beautiful. It's like it, you can draw the lines on it, tells you the distance, it tells you, um, you know, the bearing, you know, depending on how you want the bearing, you know, it'll tell you the GP. GPS coordinates, whether in UTMs or lat long, you know, it'll, you can slate, um, shade the slope so it tells you the, the degree of the slopes, you know, so it tells us if this is, you know, even you can even get, there are even some apps where it tells you this is an avalanche slope and this not. So slope shading itself just tells you the, 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 how steep the slope is and you have to extrapolate, well, is that a steep enough slope to avalanche? Where there's some stuff where it's like, this is an avalanche slope here and this is not. So it's like, Wow, there's all this amazing data, but what we're losing is just sometimes just going outside and looking at the slope like, well, okay, 
that terrain there looks like it is more prone to avalanches, right? Or just even even taking a, a technology step up from that, looking at just a basic topographical map. Like, well, a lot of people can't interpret what that means anymore, right? So we can't. So if we can't put the slope shading in, they're like, well, I'm not quite sure where the avalanche stuff is. Like, well, let's look at the map, see what that looks like, and then can we match what just the basic topographical map looks like with the outside? And you can say there are definitely the arguments that every time we have technology enhancements that we lose something, right? But at one point, a topographical map was like state-of-the-art. At one point, a compass was like state-of-the-art, right? And embracing those technologies allowed us to do more. And so embracing these technologies with our phone, for example, and these mapping software and this GPS apps and stuff allows us to do more, right? We can kind of like travel in, in conditions that are less um, conducive to traveling. But when those systems fail... We no longer understand the more simple systems that we can use to get us out of those situations. Or we're more lulled into a sense of confidence to step out into a scenario that, you know, maybe 50, 60 years ago we wouldn't have gone out into. Like, it's a whiteout. Like, let's not go into that. Let's not try to, let's not try to travel this complex glaciated train in a whiteout unless we absolutely have to or we happen to be traveling through that and it becomes a whiteout. But now with GPS stuff, like, well, let's just go out there. But when that stuff fails we're done. So I feel like even though we have more and more data, I think we're spending less and less time on the more basic fundamental skills that we should learn. Like, let's just look at the terrain. Like, us understand the weather, right? Let's just look at the snow conditions on the surface of the snow, right? And also, in, in how did that snow happen? What was the weather events that made in the last 24 to 40 hours that maybe made this snow condition happen that we can see? right? And this avoid the hazard versus like, well, now I've got all this data and it allows me to like cut the margin even closer because now I have this data that gives me maybe a higher degree of confidence and predictability of what that slope's going to do so I can go ski that slope versus like, well, you know, and maybe you might be right, maybe you might be wrong because that data sometimes is hyper-specific to certain places. And as soon as you move 500 vertical feet down the slope, that data that you had at the top is no longer relevant on the slope. 500 feet vertical down on the slope. So it's like, well, but if you just looked at the whole scenario, like, well, that slope there is definitely, you know, steep enough for hazard. I can see that just with my own eyes. And then there's steeper hazard above it. So, you know, and there's this thing halfway down that looks like there's a convexity and, you know, that could be a point of trigger. So I think in general, that slope seems like it's not really a safe slope to go on. Let's just go ski happy, make happy power turns in the trees down here and low angle stuff right? Like that's something you can just look at the slope and kind of make that assessment based on, well, the wind's done this for the last two days. Roughly, we have these features up there that tells us the wind was doing this. So that slope maybe has some loading. So even though I want to ski that slope, and if I had more hyper-specific data that says that slope's totally stable, I'd go ski it. But I'm out here in the field and I'm just going to use the data that's available to me, which is just terrain recognition, understanding some weather things that may have happened. And I'm going to say, oh, you know what? I'm going to go over here where the hazard's less. So I think we're using this data to allow us to do more risky things oftentimes and just without, you know, without letting us just say, well, I think we shouldn't do that. We should just, we should just go do this thing over here that, you know, is not as radical as this other thing, but it keep us out of harm's way and we'd have a really great time if we just allow ourselves to be open to having that great time, right? You know?
So this whole like knowledge in the world, stored in the world, this ever-increasing amount of data that we're trying to sift through versus the knowledge in our mind, right? So I do, once again, think that that knowledge in the world allows us to see and make and understand things that may be more predictable. Like, all right, I see these different testings that pull a figure eight knot to failure. And I know now that they're really predictable. Like if the tail's too short, the knot's still not going to fail, right? If the tail's not even fed through that last bit, it's still not going to fail. Like that gives us confidence um, in the real world to allow us to go, oh, okay, this knot's super predictable. That's why we use it. But we want to try to figure out how we can actually still look at the real world. I walk to the cliff and I just look down at the cliff and read the story that the cliff's telling me. Like, okay, I can just see this, this stuff here in front of me, this terrain. I'm recognizing this terrain and it's telling me what I need to do, right? Versus trying to like pull out all this data on this anchor system versus that anchor system and this, you know, elongation of this rope, does this and that. Yeah, like those are important pieces that I can like weave into the fabric of the system I'm trying to build, but it starts with just terrain recognition. And I feel like so many people now are just not able to just look, walk out into the world and just look at what's in front of them, go, okay, here are some things that are potential hazards. So now I need to weigh, figure out how to mitigate those hazards. And oh, this other data over here might help me do that. But the first thing you do is just actually recognize the hazards, just what's in front of me. So the big data and the, the knowledge stored in the world and just accessing knowledge versus having true knowledge. So that's a very interesting concept I think that every generation is butting up against, but it's even more so now because data is becoming exponential, right? You know, our ability to gather it, our ability to store it. So in a short period of time, it's like all of a sudden we just have drastically more data. Just like, what was it like? In 2017, there were more pictures taken in 2017 than every year previous that previous to that, up to the invention of the camera. Like so, every picture that was ever taken, all those pictures didn't equal the number of pictures that were taken, like in 2017, you know, or whatever the year was that that figure came out. It's like that's amazing. Like in one year, we collected more data than than all the years previous for like the last hundred plus years. That's ridiculous. That's exponential. So how do we sort through this and how do we teach and try to and help people to learn like this stuff's important, but let's look outside. Let's just look at the cliff and tell let's look at the snow slope. What is it telling us? Let's start there. Right? Let's look at the clouds in the sky. What is that telling us? What is this wind telling us? Right? What does the pattern on this tree tell us? Right? Let's start there. And then those are things that we need to have stored in our mind. That's, that's the knowledge of our mind. We need those things. We can't put those things in the knowledge of the world because those are things that we need to be able to recall right now, right in front of us versus look at our phone, right? So we need to have the tools in our head so when the batteries die, we still have something to work with. So.